Yo, what's up, everybody? We're all the way on the episode four of a new perspective. Goodness gracious, talking about moving fast. Uh, still ain't figured out how to put the uh, intro and outro. I'll be honest, I really ain't tried to figure it out. Uh, to say I've been preoccupied might be an understatement. But hey, thank you for uh, sticking it out and listening. Um, and <laughs> sticking it out and listening. I haven't really tracked the numbers. I know I'm getting feedback from everywhere. I don't want to be disappointed in pulling up the numbers to be like, Ugh. but I thank all of you that do listen and all of you that do give feedback. It really does make us better as a podcast about us. I mean, me, yeah, well us, because we do learn and grow together. So. Um, let's uh, not dance around the elephant in the room. This was never meant to be a political podcast. It was meant to be more of an inspirational, hey, I don't want to post on Facebook as much, so some of the deep thoughts that I think <laughs> I'd come on and record them type deal uh, just so happened that I will pay whoever counts the number of ums I say in a podcast that amount of ums. I really am trying to fix that. Anyway, so I don't want to dance around the issues that are in the room, and hopefully next week we can be a little bit more chipper and positive, as this week we still kind of reflect on some of the things that are going on in the world. So I learned a long time ago not to speak when you're angry. A lot of times people get mad and just say stuff. It's like getting in a fight with your significant other or lashing out oftentimes you say things that you don't mean and so i'm not preaching for a month not so much because i can't preach because it's what i do but because it is a miscarriage of handling god's word to preach in a place where you're angry and i am angry still don't know why i had somebody well i do know why had somebody call me and was like, whoa, I've never even seen this side of you, didn't know that that was in you. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you should see me when, when I'm really mad at what I'm saying, um, when it's just me, myself, and I. And so I was asked to speak at a local protest um, that some young people, I mean young people, 16, 17, 18, tremendously proud of the way they organized and worked out exactly how they wanted to protest. It was um, beautiful, been a part of two protests this week, um, both put on by young people. But at the second one, I was asked to actually speak. And so I wrote something out and it's pretty well written, not to toot my own horn, but it's really well written. And before it was time to give the speech because the other people's emotions were so real and so raw and so natural, I didn't, and, say what I wrote down because I didn't want to sound as angry as it was written because it was written angry. Maybe I'll read it on the podcast because it's my podcast. And by now you've heard me say, you don't like it, you turn it off. But I think that's one of the things we can learn in the middle of this is tempering our tongue when we're mad. Because if I would have said everything I wanted to say, even in this climate now, um, I probably <laughs> wouldn't have any friends left. So the protests in Columbia County were, were pretty peaceful. Uh, there was somebody that went live and 
apparently there was a bunch of very, very nasty comments on it, but I'm blocked, so I couldn't necessarily see what was said. And it's just really shine some light on some just icky, nasty stuff. But the protest itself is probably um, was well attended. It is not the first time I've been a part of protest. I've been uh, in the streets marching uh, quite a few times. This was probably, it wasn't the largest. Um, I've had the opportunity to protest in Tallahassee um, when we were raising awareness for Amendment 4. And that was a, that was a pretty huge uh, protest. And no matter what you might think of him, um, and for a while I had um, not the best thoughts about Al Sharpton, but when you really learn why he did what he did with some of the stuff, um, either way in the protest, it's, it's pretty surreal to march with Reverend Al um, and listen to Reverend Al speak in person. And so we did that in Tallahassee in 2016. We were in um, Philadelphia, and I remember um, Alton Sterling had just just died from an illegal chokehold. And in the midst of being in uh, what we call in the African Methodist Episcopal Church, our general conference, um, we we found out about uh, Fidelo Castillo. I think that's his name. I, I, I may have missed. Um, pronounce that. I probably should look at my show notes. I do have show notes. There's a whole tablet here. I'm trying to be as professional as possible, but I'm not looking at the tablet, so that defeats the purpose, right? Um, and that was pretty, pretty huge, walking with people like the Reverend um, Stephen A. Green and, and some very prominent um, preachers when it comes to civil rights. And in Philadelphia, we marched, stopped traffic, did, did all of that, and marched into this gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous church. Um, that was a predominantly white church. It was gorgeous. It, it was very old. And um, there's something about people getting fired up during a protest that is electric. Um, I've been in some electric um, situations, but that right there is um, second to second to none, just to feel the passion of the people. He, the, the one we had, we had people riding around. So when you're protesting, especially when you're protesting a race issue, you have to worry about the other side. And when I say the other side, I'm not saying white or black, because to me, it's not a white or black issue. It's racism. People are against racism. It's not that people are against cops. People are against police brutality. And so when people go to defending the other side, I'm like, okay, do you really comprehend what you're defending or do you just say what you want to say? But anyway, when you're in a race um, protest, you have to be very conscious of your surroundings. Um, you, you have to watch for one, people that aren't a part of your protest being around to just start trouble. You have to watch for people who are on the opposing side. I know there were people that did not support the protest there. They sat in the trucks. They watched. I spoke because I'm always going to speak whether you like me or you don't. Um, I want you to know that I see you. If I'm speaking to you and you don't like me, it's because I want you, not because I'm looking for your approval, but I want you to know that I see you watching me do something about it. But anyway, um, the amount of people who were shining cameras on these young people 
it was just it was just eye opening and alarming. And so you, you always got to have somebody in the crowd that's ready to protect you. Um, you you got to handle being threatened. And that that's the part that people miss in protesting, especially when you are on the front lines. You you worry about in the back of your mind someone trying to damage your reputation, somebody trying to discredit you. There's always that threat of um, physical violence, and so those are those are the type of things that cross your mind when you're doing all that. The risk you put your family at, and um, it, it really is at times surreal. I have cried more in the past two weeks. Um, had a guest preacher preach for me today. If you don't know, record, know I record on Sundays, publish on Monday. Um, and she was talking about in our private conversation how many times she's just cried because it's a, it's a wound. These protests are bringing up conversations with black people that black people haven't had in so long and, and so passionate about. And so it has been one of the most draining weeks that I have had. I'm physically, emotionally, spiritually tired. I have moments when I'm going to say something that hopefully y'all don't hold against me where I get really mad with God about things um, because it feels like at times he does not feel fat. He does not move um, fast enough for me. And, and that's a problem sometimes is feeling like people don't move fast enough and so I'm taking a break not this week but next week taking a, a few four days so I've never this is not on the show note neither let me put a star here so I can get back to it I've never caught a fish <laughs> um, I've been fishing I own plenty of fishing equipment I have googled it I have fished with everything in the world I have caught like souls from preaching, because they call it being a fisher of a man, I have never physically caught a fish. And so um, I'm taking four days, uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday of next week. Sunday will obviously handle church business and, and do that, but I'm going down with my father-in-law. He's gonna take me on a boat and I am going to catch a fish and I cannot wait. Well, I'm hoping I catch a fish. If I can't catch a fish, then I'm gonna say, hey, I'm. <laughs> I'm the bad hab. I am a bad omen when it comes to fishing, but I, I cast it, I could bait my hook. I could do all of that pretty, pretty sufficiently and efficiently. I just, fishing is patience and I don't have a lot of that. So I'm gonna take a break here because it is important with all that's going on in the world to debrief and not to be so quick to react. We've seen a lot of people on social media end up falling on a sword this week because their reaction was so quick. For example, Drew Brees, and I caught some heat for this. I don't necessarily, uh, I'm not a part of the cancel Drew Brees movement. I think what he said was insensitive, but I don't think what he was saying is what was perceived, was what was his intention. And so it's one of those, hey, you're talking and especially in the instantaneous, Anthony's made up a word of the day. Instantaneous is a word, what am I talking about? Um, the fact that you can get things so instantly or what you say can be shared so immediately uh, is dangerous. And so I'm taking a break. I am 
I need it. I need to not answer my phone for a few days. I need to get out of the fight in order to fight it longer. Um, so one of the things I've noticed during all these protests is, hey, COVID is gone the hell away. Where is the coronavirus? I can't be the only person looking for it, not because I want to catch it. I, um, <laughs> I don't want to catch it. That's been the dangerous part of marching and protesting. And there are people who are hell-bound and determined to shake your hand just to prove they shake hands. I don't like shaking hands before this. I just don't. Working in a restaurant and washing my hands as many times as I do makes me realize how much people don't wash their hands and how inadequately they wash their hands. So I didn't like to shake hands, period. And so there are some people like trying to prove a point and I'm like, okay, you be really badass, but I didn't want to shake your hand before. You can compare it to the flu all you want to. Hell, I never wanted to catch the flu. <laughs> people ask like the flu. I didn't want to catch that either. So um, COVID has disappeared. No, it really hasn't disappeared. Um, I think protesting in, in times like this, I read somewhere, and I really wish I didn't remember who said it so that I could credit the author when they said that um, protesting in the middle of a pandemic is like a firefighter running into a burning building to save a crying baby. And so um, the virus is still very much around. And I think I'm getting, I'm more afraid of it now maybe because I'm, I'm around people than I was when we were in quarantine and it first came out because I'm like, ooh, I get the slightest little itch in my throat. Uh, I'm like, oh Lord, coronavirus, coronavirus. So we, um, we're watching for that. I still think as we move into um, stage whatever, phase whatever, I think you just need to go ahead and open the country. Open it. Um, I'm, not a, I'm not a big proponent or big on the sale of herd immunity, but I don't think that you can have three weeks ago people protesting to be open and now people protesting the... Um, innocent, the innocent, the killing of an unarmed black man um, and how it's highlighted racism. Um, I don't think you have protests in the street and not just fully open it. And the people that want to eat and one people that want to be out will be out. Uh, I have already made a personal commitment not to mourn. And this is going to sound insensitive, but I've already made a personal commitment not to mourn anybody who does not take precautions against the coronavirus. I just, I'm just not going to, but um, I'm, I'm at the point now where, open it up, let's see what happens, because people are hell-bound and determined to do it anyway. Um, and, and let's just roll and go with it. It's scary the way we value life sometimes. Um, and that, to me, has been eye-opening in this experience, too, just to hear people or read people's arguments on whatever it is now, because it seems like now that there's no sports going on. There are sports, but not, not the big-time streaming sports. We can't debate who's great and who's not, and we can't debate whose team is better and whose team's not better. And with all these polarizing issues that people just want to pick up and argue something. Here's something I do want to argue, though, and it's not on my show notes either. 
Um, and I just got done talking about sports. So it's a pretty good segue. Did you all see the uh, reporter on, and let's see how gifted I am, see if I can make this all tie together. The reporter on Fox News who had told LeBron and KD to shut up and dribble, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. And then that same reporter come back and say, well, Drew Brees is allowed an opinion. It's stuff like that that make your free-flowing friends or whatever you want to call them, because I don't think it's a conservative liberal deal. I don't think it's a Republican Democrat thing. I just think it's a, hey, how do you not see where people will say that that's racist or that's racism, that one can tell, you can tell these athletes over here to shut up and dribble, but say this athlete over here can say what they want to. And the only difference is on, the, on our side of it, sitting out, somebody looking out on the outside looking in, is their skin color. Now she might say maybe she feels that way because she supports that view, but then just say, hey, LeBron, Katie, I don't support your view, not hey, shut up and dribble. And it's those interactions that um, people of color are tired of, are not going to sit by and listen to anymore. And I think that um, that's one of those moments where you gotta stop and realize that the system just of everyday interactions is not the same. I'm known to wear a hoodie. If I have a hoodie on, I wear a hoodie. I don't care if it's a thousand degrees on, I put the hood up. Um, I did it back in high school when I was a freshman. They used to tell me I wanted to be a pharaoh, or I thought I was pharaoh because my ears are so doggone big. And so when I put the hood over my head and stick my ears out, I remember that. And, and uh, I was like, yeah, no, don't want to be pharaoh, but I do look cute with a hoodie on. You can say that. Um, but people just, the uneasy looks you get when you walk into places with a hoodie on is just, I don't know. I honestly um, have felt unsafe. Nevertheless, we're going to end on this. Not a long podcast today. Um, the, one of the crazes that has taken over social media these past two weeks that's not about riding and it's not about protesting. It's not about saying we need sports and it's not about, about saying, hey, if you're white, do this. If you're black, do this. How about this? Love people. Love people. Love each other. Anyway, one of the craziest has been TikTok. I don't have a TikTok, but I get to see TikToks from people's Facebook or Twitter streams or whatever. I won't watch a TikTok or make a TikTok, but I'll watch those doggone compilations because I think they're, they're um, craftily put together. But some girl took strawberries and put the strawberries in some type of solution, soaked the strawberries, she did it multiple times, and worms came out of the strawberries, or bugs came out of the strawberries. And so uh, people kept doing it and talked about how nasty it was. And so I was uh, at work, and uh, one of the managers, one of my co-managers was, can you believe that, have you seen that video? I was like, well, yeah, why wouldn't you believe that there are worms in strawberries or any kind of fruit? They're fruit, they're outside, they're, I mean, worms drew an apple happens all the time. And she was like, yeah, but that's so nasty. And I said, well, the bugs got to eat too. The bugs have to live somewhere. She's like, well, I'm going to try it. I just can't believe I've never bitten into one. I was like, you've never bitten into an a apple with a worm in it, but we know that worms will eat apples. She just looked at me. So uh, they didn't do it that day. And the next day I came in, 
um, and they were struggling, soaking in whatever the solution is and nothing that came out. And I said, I told you that I'm not worried about our strawberries having worms. She's like, well, why? I said, because our strawberries come from the best produce company there is. And I said, the moral of the story is not about the strawberries having worms. Worms eat, worms have to eat. The fruit is in the ground, the worm is in the right ground. The worm has better access to the uh, fruit than we do. In fact, some would argue that the worm should be mad that we're taking their fruit, or the bug should be mad that we're taking their fruit. I said, so we shouldn't be surprised to see bugs in produce. I said, but the reason I knew that there would be no strawberries in our produce is because of where they come from. Um, same thing if you stop shop at certain places that you just don't have to worry about the product. And she just looked at me. So here's, here's the moral of the story. Here is the elevate your standard. Um, here is the thought of the moment, whatever. I've called it so many things over the years. And it, and it ties into the things that are going on in this world right now. We are all made to um, be a certain way. We were born into sin. Um, if, if it is your belief to believe in, in Christ, you believe that you are saved in sin. But we are all saved from sin. But we are all born the same way. Um, from dust we were made and from dust we will return. Okay? But what's in us is a product of where we've been at and who has handled us. And so we shouldn't be shocked at some of the worms and the bugs that are coming out of people because you got to look at where it comes from. Just like with the produce or the strawberries or um, what comes out of it, the, the situation only draws what's in there out of it. The solution drives the bugs in there because the bugs are in there. It has nothing to do with the strawberry. The bugs are supposed to be in there. But it has everything to do with where you're purchasing what you're eating from. And so when you're dealing with people, notice that. Notice if it's wormy, a nastiness coming out of it, or if it is purity coming out of it. And that is a direct result of, um, it's a direct result of where they came from. So that's it. I'm out. That's all I've got for you today. Um, I thank you for listening, especially if you make it to the end. And until next Monday, this has been A New Perspective.